Well, folks, uh, in front of you, you should have a uh, handout with, um, uh, with the fill-in-the-blanks. And we want to talk to you for a few moments about a, a, uh, some information that I heard at a uh, global leadership seminar back in August, a man by the name of John Maxwell. Now, a number of you have probably heard of John Maxwell. He's like a leadership guru. Uh, he's written a ton of books on leadership. And uh, in this year, 2017, if you're wanting to read a leadership book or more leadership books, you can't go wrong with any kind of John Maxwell book. It's very practical, uh, and it's convicting, and it is some great stuff that you can take into your own life, and it's easily transferable to others. So I hope you'll take, take advantage of that. And uh, in the talk, he, he said it was the one thing to get right. The one thing to get right. So if you have an opportunity to lead an organization, what is the one thing that you need to get right? And I also want to say to those that are retired, you can still apply this thing. What is the one thing to get right? What do I do with the rest of my life? What is the one thing that I need to get right? Here's the statement. The one thing to get right in leadership, intentionally, every day, add value to people. Intentionally, every day, add value to people. Adding value to people. Now, just that phrase, adding value. When you are putting things in your mental computer of things that you want to stay, adding value should be one of those that you deposit and leave it there. Adding value to other people. Just think, if we took that responsibility and said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to add value to other people. If I'm a leader, I want to add value to those that have the opportunity to work for me. So adding value to people is the core of leadership. Let me give you some listing here. Number one is this. First of all, you have to find a person before you can lead a person. You have to find a person before you can lead a person, and you can't add value to people if you don't value people. You have to find a person before you can lead a person. You can't add value to people if you don't value people. Uh, this is a basic statement, and that is you really got to like people before you can value and effectively lead people. And um, so if you sit there and say, I really want to add value to others, the very first foundational truth is, you know, you got to find people before you can lead people. And what, I'm, what I mean by that is you need to uh, not just walk past them in the office, but engage with them. And, and to be able to see them as a person and to value them as they are. And if you value them as a person, then you can turn around and begin to add value to them. You can lead them effectively. You can add value to their life. But it all starts out basically with you just got to say, I really value people. People are important. Everyone's created in the image of God. And so every person is important. And I need to value them. Number two is this. There's a thin line between motivating people and manipulating people. There's a thin line between motivating people and manipulating people. Motivating is when you lead people to give their best, to stretch their abilities, to go beyond what they thought they could accomplish. That's why you need to motivate people. And it's, it'll be good for the organization, but it's also going to be good for the individual. That's what motivation is. So when you're leading people, you encourage them, you motivate them. And why am I motivating you? Because you think you can only go this far. I think you can go this far. And I'm going to encourage you, motivate you to get up to this point. Now, if you make it to this level, 
our organization will also make it to that level. So it's good for the organization, but it's also good for you because you'll be doing things that you never thought you could do, but yet you were wired enough to be able to do. You just need someone to motivate you to do this. Okay, that's motivation. But manipulation is when you try and get someone to do something out of guilt or something they don't really want to do or for your benefit and not for others. Manipulation is when you come around and you guilt someone into something or you you begin to change the motives on it and you try to get them to do this when the only purpose for them doing that is for your benefit and not really so much for theirs. And so you manipulate them. And so, um, you know, we're talking to a majority of people here <clears throat> who are not in ministry, but that's a real challenge in ministry is where you draw a line between motivation and manipulation. I mean, man, we got some great cards we can play to manipulate people when you're a pastor, can't you? Oh man. You know, when you go talk to me, you gotta, you gotta keep those in your wallet. Don't ever, don't ever play those because you can play a God card. Holy Spirit told me this, got a word from the Lord, all those type of things. And all of a sudden you manipulate people to do things rather than motivate them. And so we always want to realize there's that thin line between motivation and manipulation. And you always need to think about, um, what is, uh, really, what is my motive for doing this? And uh, if it is for you, to further you and to further our organization, it can be motivation. Manipulation, just coming back to, to help me. Number, th- uh, this question that you need to ask, that's right, I'm sorry, there was a question right below there. The question you need to ask is, am I adding value to the people or am I wanting people to add value to me? Am I adding value to the people or am I wanting people to add value to me? Now, those are two different types of leadership, and I've worked for both. And I've worked for some that have that wanted to add value to me. And then I've worked for others that were really what they were wanting is just me to add value to them and to make their career look good. And uh and and we just we had two different two different mindsets on there. Thin line, motivation, and manipulation. Number three, three questions that followers ask leaders. Now, as a leader, if you're wanting to add value to people, you need to walk into it understanding that there are three questions that every follower asks a leader, and I think every one of you will agree with these. Number one is this, do you like me? Do you like me? Um, have you ever worked for a boss that just didn't like you? Probably don't need to raise your hand because he probably invited you to come with him today. And uh, <laughs> and uh, he was hoping you'd hear this message. He goes, I just don't like you. Uh, but, you know, that's the first thing that every follower thinks is, do you like me? And have you ever worked for someone? You said, you know, I just don't think the boss even likes me over here. So if that's a question every follower is asking, then if we were going to be effective leaders, we need to confirm with them that we like you. You know, I like you as a person. That's why I hired you, brought you into the organization. Uh, or you said, if I just inherited you, then I kept you in the organization uh, because I like you. Okay. Number two is this. Can you help me? Can you help me? Every person who's working for someone else says, if I need help, will you be one that can help me? Can I go to you? Are you there for my best interest also to try to help me in my career? And number three is, can I trust you? Can I trust you? Do you like me? Can you help me? Can I trust you? Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. Every person here who's ever worked for someone, aren't those true? Don't you think through those same three questions for that boss? Now, if you are now the leader, you have to realize this is what people are thinking. And so you need to make affirmation, build that foundation with them to say, you're liked, 
I trust you, and I am here to help you along the way. You gain these, it puts you in a better position to add value to their lives. Number four is this. Everything worthwhile is uphill. Amen? Everything worthwhile is uphill. You want a strong marriage? It's uphill. It takes a lot of work. You want to build a business? It's uphill. You want to be physically fit? That's uphill. You want to have a great career? It's uphill. You want to have a strong spiritual life? It is uphill. You think about the most significant accomplishments that you've ever accomplished in your life, and they were all uphill efforts. You expended energy, you expended time, and you expended creativity. And that's why when you look back over it, it is so satisfying because of all that went into it. Everything worthwhile is uphill, and you want to keep this in mind because when the next challenge comes along and you go, oh, God, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. That's why it's a challenge. That's why it'll be significant. And you just need to understand that everything that you have of significance that you've ever accomplished is something that is uphill. Probably the hardest ever worked at the telephone company when I was with Bell South is uh, when um, I was doing uh, training, a corporate training, and you do that for two years, and after that, then you move back out in the field. And uh, and I went to be a industry manager, kind of like a sales manager. And uh, the guy that came and talked to me was just given the leadership, the district manager over the worst. Uh, department, the worst group in uh, in Birmingham. Well, it's kind of in the state of Alabama, and so we were the lowest producing group, the industrial group there in uh, in Alabama. And he had been placed as as district manager and was building a team. And came and interviewed me to see if I would come and be an industry manager. And so you know, I accepted it. Came along with him. And uh, over about the next 15 months, uh, going from starting that October till you get to the next December on there, we were able to be a part of a team that went from worst to first. And that was just incredible. And it was so much fun taking these people, some grizzled veterans and others, newbies that were just coming and learning how to sell and coalesce this team together and move forward. And then at the end of the year to see, hey, you know, you went from you went from worst to first. So I looked back from a business standpoint when I was in business and said, you know, that really I felt was one of the most significant accomplishments because it took a lot of time, took a lot of energy, took a lot of creativity. It was an uphill battle. When I became a pastor of a church, I've only been a pastor of two churches, so I'm hoping to get this thing down. Uh, but when I was at First Baptist Church, Ruston, when they called me to pastor there, they'd gone 10 years with nothing. I mean, there was just there had been no growth, no nothing. Thing was just kind of almost dead in the water. And, um, and, and then to pour time, energy, effort, praying to God, his spirit falling down upon us, building a great team, a staff team. We went from, from a church that was dead to one that was vibrant and alive. And, and it just completely changed that whole culture of it. And it is that way today, which is exciting, which is 20 years later, uh, is that it went on that trajectory. And so when I look back and I say it was uphill. There was an unbelievable amount of time that was invested in there. It was an unbelievable amount of, of, of slings and arrows that, uh, that were thrown at me through that time. And it was hard work, but, you know, whenever you get back with those guys that were shoulder to shoulder with you, that's what we talk about and said, you know, we persevered, God was good, and did some great things. Listen, everything worthwhile, you understand, is uphill, okay? Now, 
Here comes number five. Number five is this. People have uphill hopes and downhill habits. And this is a John Maxwell. John Maxwell's got oh, so many quotes. I mean, John Maxwell's the kind of guy, if you met him, if you talked to him for a minute, he'd have a quote just like this. He, he, he can just bring these together. People have uphill hopes and they have downhill habits. People talk about, we're going to have a great marriage. I'm going to be physically fit this year. I'm going to build a great business. I'm going to be a spiritual giant. I'm going to grow like I've never grown before. But these uphill hopes will fail because of downhill habits. Because of downhill habits. I went online and I, I, I went with that phrase, uphill hopes and downhill habits, just to see if someone had spoken on it. And there was a guy who did a talk, it was about two and a half minutes, just on this little segment, and he told a great illustration. He said, um, uh, I was a teen, it was when he was a teenager, and he said, I went to work for some construction company, and uh, they said, we're going to come pick you up at 730 all right, you're going to work a 10-hour day. We're going to go 7.30 to 5.30. Okay. So they picked him up 7.30. So picked him up 7.30. When we picked him up 7.30, we went to a laid-back restaurant and had a breakfast. So we're eating breakfast till about 8.30. So we got to the job site at 8.30. Then it took 30 minutes just to lay the tools out and get everything done. So we worked from like 9 to 12. And they said, lunchtime. So we all went over to lunch. And it was a restaurant bar with billiard tables. And we were there for about an hour and a half, everybody playing pool and uh, casually eating lunch. And they said, okay, let's go back. They go back. Back to the work site, we went from 1.30 to 4.30 and said, okay, we've got to pack up all the tools. took us 30 minutes to pack the tools up. So 5 o'clock, we left the site, got home at 5.30, and I walked in the door and said, 10-hour work day, baby. I just worked 10 hours. He said, no, I didn't. I worked six hours. But I was a 10-hour talker. I was a 10-hour-a-day talker, but I was actually only doing 60% of what I was saying. And his, his story was, you know, you can have some uphill hopes, but these downhill habits will keep you from achieving those uphill hopes. And he said, how many of us are like that 60 percenter to where we say I'm going to have a great marriage, but yet I'm only giving 60 percent to it. I'm, I'm going to get physically fit, but I'm only giving 60 percent. I'm going to grow spiritually this year, but I'm only giving 60 percent. And if you continue to have downhill habits, you'll never reach your uphill hopes along the way. And so you need to have these hopes. But you just need to deal with the downhill habits. You got uphill hopes and you got downhill habits. So that takes you to number six, and that's for us as leaders. Leaders need to help your people break negative habits and take uphill steps. As leaders, you need to help your people break negative habits and take uphill steps. Now, this is when you think about adding value to people. Sometimes it could be some difficult conversations you had, and other times it's putting your arm around them and, and encouraging them. But just think with me on this. Every, every leader who has people that works for them, you want them to be able to break those negative habits and begin to take negative step, up, uphill steps. I, I just wrote down some things. The way they plan their calendar. They may have some uh, downhill habits of calendar planning that's keeping them from accomplishing what needs to happen. Maybe you've heard how they talk to their spouse and there's some negative habits on there. How they interact with their peers. Some people interact very well with their peers. Others can be kind of obnoxious and they don't do well with their peers. And as long as you interact that way, you'll really never achieve much in the organization. You won't move up. How do they interact with the people that work for them? How do they interact with the people that they work for? Any things that you pick up from them, any of these downhill habits as a leader, 
you need to help them to break those habits and take uphill steps. How they dress. I mean, there's some times when you sit here and you just got to come around and say, this is kind of holding you back, okay? Uh, the language that they use. Their inappropriate remarks. Their inappropriate use of sarcasm or their failed attempts at humor. Some people just aren't funny, all right? Uh, sometimes you just need to say, you know, that that's probably not the situation where you need to kind of interject some humor uh, over there and help them along the way. Don't sit there and step back from those things and say, man, they're really messing up. I'm just going to watch the train wreck. No, step in the path, put your arm around them, talk to them and say, let me just give you a word of advice over here. And that would be a great, great help. Okay. So does that make sense? Everybody's got them. Everybody's got these downhill habits. But you as a leader, if you want to add value to a person, sometimes the best way you can add value is to have the tough conversations and say, I just, I'm doing this for your good. And this is what I want to share with you. This is something I think some changes that need to be made. And you hope they will appreciate it. If they don't, that's, you can't control that. All you can do is I want to try to add value. I want to do it in the right spirit. And, and I want to help you along the way. Those who truly have uphill hopes, they will greatly appreciate it. And they will thank you and say, thank you for telling me about that. I, that that's a big help to me. I know there are lessons that some people have had that have told me that it was uncomfortable, but it'll always stay with me. I said, that's good. I didn't see that. And, uh, and, and I appreciate that. Okay. Now, number seven, the only way to break a downhill habit is to get intentional in your life. The only way to break a downhill habit is to get intentional in your life. John Maxwell makes this statement. No one ever speaks about accidental achievement. <laughs> Nobody speaks about accidental achievement. So how did you uh, make that business a success? I don't know. Just fell into it, you know. So how did you get fit to run that half marathon? <laughs> you know, you know, I just, I don't know. You know, I finished drinking the Coke and I was eating the uh, Hershey bar and I decided to put some shorts on and run 13.1 miles. Yeah, it just, it just kind of happened over there, you know. How'd you become so strong spiritually? I have no idea. I hadn't opened the Bible in six months, but man, I feel like I'm a man of God uh, in there. You know, nobody, nobody just gets into accidental achievement. Everything has to be intentional. So the only way to break a downhill habit is to get intentional in your life. Intentional living is deliberate. And that means that I'm going to go uphill day in, day out. That's the way I'm going to live it out. So uphill dreams. Man, I hope every person here has uphill dreams. And you need to dream those dreams. But as you dream those dreams, then let's be intentional every day to say, I want to see those dreams become reality. And intentionality is what will get you there. Number eight is this. This is a great statement that, that John made. He says, most people don't lead their life. They accept their life. And when you accept your life, it is unintentional and downhill. Most people don't lead their life. Mm. You have watched documentaries, stories about people who have disabilities that accomplish amazing things. Have you ever seen one of those things? And I, I sit there, my mouth is open, my head is shaking, and I'm thinking, how in the world did they do this? How they did this was number eight. They didn't just accept their life. They wanted to lead their life. And so everyone could have said, you were dealt a bad deck of cards. 
the hand that you've been dealt is pretty bad, so just accept it. No. He said, I take the hands that I've dealt, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to lead my way through this thing. Because if I don't, my life will be one of these things that are unintentional, and it'll just be a downhill spiral. And the people I have the greatest respect for are those who have been dealt some very difficult cards in their life, and they have turned around and have taken it to an uphill dream that's just amazing. And you've seen those stories. And you'll always ask, how in the world did they do that? You know how they did that? They deliberately made the decision, I'm not just going to accept my lot in life. I'm going to take it up. This is my dream, and I'm going to I'm going to make it happen on there. And I can't tell you how many times Janice and I have watched these things. And, uh, and you'll watch those things, and usually what happens is they go like this, and then they get knocked back down. And then they go like this, and they knock back down. And go like this, knock back down. And all along the way, we would say, uh, I'd have quit about right there. <laughs> I'd have quit. No, he's going. I know why. Then he, then something else would happen. I go, that cannot be. No, he keeps going. And the reason is, he's just intentional. Okay, I'm not going to accept this. I'm going to keep moving forward on that. Now, what is great is that you want to lead your life. You want to look for significance, and significance is not about you, but it's about others. And it and it, it's all uphill. See, I want a life that's of significance. And if I'm looking for a life of significance, if it's just focused on me, it's not going very far. It's focused on others. What can I do to help others? And, um, and I'm looking for that particular piece of significance. Well, knowing that, it takes you to number nine, and that is this. Selfishness fights against significance. Significance and selfishness cannot coexist. And uh, we're all guilty of being selfish. Uh, hey, whenever they take a group picture... Whenever you get a group picture, what's the first person you look for in the group picture? Look for yourself? Yeah. We all do that, all right? All just going to start out looking for myself. Listen, selfishness is always fighting against significance. So just know they can't coexist. And so the last thing is this, four things that you can do every day. Now, there are four things that you can do every day. And, uh, and actually what I did, we'll leave it right there, David, is good, is there are actually five things. And as I was taking notes, I forgot to put in the very first one. So right next to four things you can do every day, I want you to write this down. It is this, value people. It was the very first point that we gave you. So before you can do these four things, you have to do number one. You've got to value people, okay? So number one, value people. Then you go to A. A says this, think about how to add value to people. Think about how to add value. This is what's called upfront thinking. The greatest challenge when we leave from here is if you would deposit this in your mind and say, how can I add value to other people and just begin the thinking process, upfront thinking. What can I do to add value to people, okay? Number two is this. Look for ways to add value to people. You think it in your head, then you just begin to look for ways that you can add value to people, especially those who don't know you. This doesn't just have to be people that work under you. This is anybody you come into contact with. How could you add value to them? Number three is this. Then add value to others. Actively do this. Take a shot at it. You know, think about it, look for ways to do it, and then actually add value to others. And the last thing is encourage others to add value to people. Encourage others to add value to people. This is like passing it on. 
And you do it, and then you encourage us. I want you to try to add value to others. John Maxwell told this story, and I went online and verified it and saw this short video. It was a girl named Gabby who was from Paraguay, who was in the United States, working here in the United States. She heard his talk about being intentional, about a life that has significance, and, um, and about talking about uphill dreams and being a catalyst for transformation. You need to be a catalyst for transformation. You need to go add value to people. She was so moved by the teaching on leadership and transformation. And she says, our country needs to know this, Paraguay. So she goes up to John Maxwell and says, if I'm able to get with the leaders of the country and convince them that they need to have you to come in and bring your team to begin teaching our people transformational living, would you be willing to do it? I said, well, yeah. She quits her job in the States and she goes to Paraguay. She knows nobody. She has no inroads and she just begins getting after it. And she's trying to get to the top of the food chain there in Paraguay in their government. She makes it all the way to the top. She gives her spill. She makes the pitch to it. And guess what they did? They said, yeah, that'd be okay. So the 1st of February of 2016, John Maxwell sent 252 leadership coaches to Paraguay. They trained 18,980 facilitators. These facilitators then went out, and at this time, they have trained 76,000 people on leadership values and how they can be stronger in their leadership and how they can be catalysts for transformation, how they can have uphill dreams, and it has just gone crazy. And you know what Gabby said? She said, you know, that's good, but you know what my goal is? My goal is that Paraguay would be a model for other countries in South America. This is just the beginning. We're continuing to go. Isn't that incredible? This is one person that says, I want to add value to some people. And got intentional, got deliberate, and have used it in an amazing way. I hope that you'll understand what it means to add value. You know, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, it doesn't get much better than someone talking about adding value. God's son himself came to earth to live, to show us who God is. And through his actions and through his life and through his teachings, we get a better understanding of who God is. And there, here, God's son, a part of the Trinity, goes to a cross and dies for our sins so that we can be adopted into the family of God. And three days later, he's raised from the dead and he conquers sin and he conquers death. And, uh, and he gives us his Holy Spirit, uh, a part of the Trinity itself that lives within our hearts. So when you receive Christ as Savior, you have the Spirit of God living within you to guide you, to help you and comfort you during difficult times and to show you a purpose in life and to give you wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And all of these things come with that because you're valued, because you've been created by God and you're in created in God's image. And so take the example of what Jesus has done for us and know that he values us and he adds value to our life. We then take that and we add value to others. You encourage people, you strengthen them, you challenge them, and you share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. And say, I'm going to add value to your life while you're here, but I'm going to add some supernatural value that will help you not only here, but also into eternity. And we go out and do that, man, we're going to put Gabby to shame. No telling what could happen over here in Birmingham and all the spheres of influence that you have. So let's go out of here and let's go add value to others. And then come on back in February. We'll be ready to go again. Thank you all very much.